And welcome, guys, back to another episode of the Hungry Takes podcast live on the ColorCast app on a Thursday night as we approach the Christmas season. Merry Christmas, everyone, and hopefully our gift to you guys will be an episode I hope that is entertaining because, Matt, we are going to do something kind of unorthodox for us. You know, We kind of like to prepare a lot of these shows, but tonight we're going to do more of an off-the-cuff stream of consciousness episode and kind of see where it goes. So really excited about that. And that's actually something I've been wanting to do for a while is a stream of consciousness show. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll see, you know, kind of where this conversation uh, leads us. And then also kind of as a quick reminder, we are uh, looking forward to um, joining our friend Lily on her show um, directly after this. I know her show starts at seven o'clock right here on the ColorCast app. Hopefully um, we will be on midway um, during her show, but I obviously highly recommend that you listen to the entirety of her show starting at seven o'clock central time. So Matt, a lot to be excited about tonight and really excited about this off-the-cuff uh, episode. Yeah, we look, we're just going to put stuff out there, Joe. We're just going to have this natural conversation and see where it leads us, right? We're kind of doing this as a Christmas special. You know, uh, normally for, for all of our listeners, uh, me and Joe spend a good deal of time planning out shows uh, and know which direction we're going to head. But this one, Joe, let's just put it out there and see what happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the fun thing about it, kind of as we start this off-the-cuff um, theme, a lot of times, Matt, I feel like when you and I will go to dinner after a show that we record on a Thursday night, a lot of times the conversations that we've had over food, I don't know if it's just bonding or something like that, I feel like those conversations I almost wish that we had pushed record. Well, you know, Joe, you know they, they, what they say in, in literature, right? If you're reading literature like a college professor – you know, if you, if, when you read literature, they always have scenes that are kind of around food or eating at a dinner table. And that is supposed to symbolize like the ultimate in friendships and relationships. So I think, Joe, our conversations after uh, the Hungry Takes podcast around food, I think it is symbolic of our friendship and, and just bonding in nature. But we do have some really, really great conversations. Absolutely. You know, speaking of which, what was the first meal you think that we shared together? Like, what, what was the first food that we had? Do you remember? Wow. So, let me let me think that through. I want to say it would be keg and barrel. I think maybe the first time we ever ate together, and I may be wrong here, it would have been keg and barrel after um, intramural uh, dodgeball. Yes, that sounds right. That would have been like March of... 2019 probably which feels like an eternity ago before the um pandemic and yeah i remember that we had like the group of our entire team was a uh, uh, set a uh, seated there in the restaurant and we were enjoying a good meal yeah it, it really does so it feels like you know although it's only been what maybe two years or so it feels like it's been five years ago i know the landscape of society 
uh, social norms. And then, of course, what we're going to talk tonight, sports, has completely changed since, uh, you know, the beginning of 2019, the end of 2019. And, you know, that kind of leads us into the reality of what's going on. So I'm watching basically SportsCenter every single day, and it's like new players are popping up on the COVID list. In fact, there's actually a website out there. I think it's Yahoo Fantasy is keeping track of all the players that are currently on the COVID list so that you don't play them in fantasy football, Joe. What do you take out of what we're seeing with just so many people showing up on the NFL COVID list? I don't know what to think about it because I feel like for a period of time, for several months, COVID was kind of in the periphery. I feel like, you know, obviously I was cognizant that it was going on and everything, but at the same time, when it came to sports, I felt like it just was not resulting in the stoppage or postponement, cancelization, cancelization of any games. And I feel like suddenly over the last, you know, three or four weeks, it's popping up um, to the point that I saw, you know, that our team, the Saints, uh, Taysom Hill, may not be able to play Monday night against the Dolphins. Looks like they may even have to start the rookie uh, Ian Book out of Notre Dame. And I feel like... At this point, Matt, one thing that kind of surprised me is I really, you know, I don't, I'm not getting political here or anything like that, but just kind of looking at it objectively, I had no idea, quite frankly, that they were still testing a lot of these vaccinated players until all of these headlines started popping up. Yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so many things we can unpack in that statement that you just said, kind of, you know, kind of high level what you just went over. But, you know, to me, Joe, I really have to question the legitimacy of the NFL. Like, you know, should they stop and should the NBA stop for COVID? I I can't say that because at the end of the day, it's a business, right? But you look at the Saints, Taysom Hill's on the COVID list. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Harrison Butker. And then you look to Tampa, who it's not about COVID, but you look at their injuries. Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Like, at a certain point in time, you really have to question the legitimacy of whoever makes it into the playoffs and then ultimately whoever wins the Super Bowl. Like, if if the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs don't have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, let's just play devil's advocate, then what are we talking about if they get knocked out of the playoffs? I mean, we're definitely talking about a fluke occurrence that would kind of rewrite the history books. You may have a team, you know, that's completely unworthy of winning a championship or just somebody you wouldn't expect to have a chance in a given year, and they may actually kind of come out of nowhere and win a championship. I'm trying to think of who I would kind of list as that candidate. Like, let's say, for instance, that just the stars aligned perfectly and somebody like Arizona won the Super Bowl this year. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but, like, let's say that due to COVID that happened. Like, do you think that that would cause some changes in protocols for next season? Yeah, I I would think so, especially if, you know, a variant, you know, different variants continue to pop up. I would say the ultimate smoking gun there is if Green Bay wins a Super Bowl this season, right? Clearly, (laughs) it's not because they're good, and it's not because it's a normal season, right? If the Green Bay Packers win a Super Bowl, it must be because COVID has eliminated every other team out there. And yes, we should either put an asterisk take the Lombardi trophy back or make some kind of future rules and stipulations moving forward. Well, you do realize, I think the last time I checked the standings, Matt, the Green Bay Packers had the best record in the NFC, if not the NFL. What would be your response to that? 
keep it moving, Joe. It's time to talk about NBA basketball. I was going to ask you another question about the NFL. I wanted to know your thoughts now, on uh, Aaron Rodgers making it to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I, look, you know, Aaron Rodgers is what it is. But again, I, you know, let's not put the cart before the horse. Like, we can sit here, and I know, look, it's flooded all over Sports Center because, you know, they only like to talk about a few athletes. And ever since you've met me, I've said the same thing. Zion Williamson, who they cannot talk about right now, LeBron James, and Aaron Rodgers, and the fourth one is the Dallas Cowboys as a team, right? <laughs> Primarily Jerry Jones. Yeah. Okay? So, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is all over ESPN right now. He's, you know, the front runner for the MVP, although I think that should go to Jonathan Taylor. He is a pro bowler. He's, you know, his team's the best in the NFL, Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And, Joe, they will lose around the second round of the playoffs. That's my gut feeling. Okay. Um, I do want to ask you just a random question I thought of um, about the Pro Bowl. Well, two questions, actually. First, why do they not call it the NFL All-Star team? Like, I've never understood that. You know, you have the NBA All-Stars, MLB All-Stars. Why is it Pro Bowl? You know, I, I don't, I can't answer that, right? I think that's a really good question. But the, the question about the Pro Bowl that they need to answer is kind of like if Green Bay does win a Super Bowl, it's definitely a COVID issue. They really need to answer the question about the Pro Bowl because what you get is you get all these guys who get nominated to the Pro Bowl and something like less than 50% of them or something actually play. And basically, if you're a big name and you're still going into the playoffs, then you don't go to the Pro Bowl. And I just think that's horrible, right? I think it's pointless. Why not wait and have the Pro Bowl at the end of the season? Well, that, that's another question I was going to say. You actually brought up some great points to kind of build into another topic I want to ask you about, too. But first and foremost, it's never made sense to me that the Pro Bowl roster is announced, uh, you know, on the precipice of week, week uh, 16 in the season. Like, you still have three weeks to go. A lot of these games are going to be immensely important, and you're going to kind of prejudge where things stand after 13 or 14 games. And so, to me, that's kind of counterintuitive. But as far as players opting out of the Pro Bowl, Matt, that kind of leads me to the frustration that I have lately with all of these opt-outs among college football. Like, I'm just getting tired of hearing about that, and here's the reason why. I feel like it's completely contradictory to see a college football player decide to opt out of a bowl game and just leave their team high and dry for a couple of reasons. First, they're expecting everybody else, you know, to just risk playing and, and, you know, put themselves at injury risk. They don't they don't care about their teammates. And then number two is if you're going to claim that a bowl game is meaningless, what's to say that that game, you know, in November that you played when your team is already eliminated from the playoff, why, why was that any different? And so I'm really getting kind of frustrated with all these opt-outs that we're seeing in college football. Yeah, so so let me let me kind of backtrack, right? Because there, there's two things I want to talk about. I'll, I'll I'll hit college football, and then I kind of want to go back to the NFL because you make two really good points here. The first one is college football, Joe. I hate the current playoff situation, not for what it is, right? I like the playoff, but because you now have this domineering four-team playoff, you're either in or you're out. All of these other bowl games don't matter, right? Like. When you had the BCS games, they, they still mattered, right? I felt like they were all even, or at least for the most part. You had you had the early games way before Christmas, and then everything around Christmas mattered. And then as you got closer to New Year's, they mattered even more. But now, 
you know, it's so many things me and you have covered. Not only do the bowl games just not matter. I mean, tonight it's Florida and USC or UCS. That is the battle of the state of Florida, and no one is talking about it, right? But you also have these just interchangeable bowl game names. Like I saw one the other night, the Jimmy Kimball something bowl, right? So I just feel like the, the playoff system has made a mockery of all the, the small bowl games, and we don't even pay attention to them anymore. And oh, so yeah. I want to get your feedback on that. And so I, w- I want to t- toss that out to you. But the second thing I want to briefly say about the NFL is, Joe, I think the end of the NFL season is about to get really bad because you're not going to have anyone playing in the Pro Bowl because of fear of COVID, right? You're, you're going to start to see all these teams sit players, one, because they already do to prevent injuries at the end of the season. And number two, they're going to start sitting, sitting them even more and then sheltering them like during practice to make sure they don't get COVID as we head into the playoffs. So two different trains of thought there. Give me your feedback on college football and then talk about how you see the end of the NFL season kind of shaping up because I think everyone is going to end up sitting soon. Yeah, so I would say um, as far as the college football bowl season, I feel like, you know, all these bowl names, it's just like a revolving door with the sponsorships. And I get, you know, that there's money involved. Totally, totally understand that standpoint. But at the same time, I feel like there's some history to a lot of these bowl games. And I just have a problem, you know, where it goes from like being the, you know, Emerald Bowl out in San Francisco one year and the next year it's like the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Like there's no tradition there. Like I don't want to, you know, uh, go back and refer to, you know, um, like 20 years from now to just some random bowl that's like the Cheez-It Bowl and then the next year it's something else. I feel like it's just hard to keep up with the tradition of this kind of ever-changing climate with the bowl season. And then as far as the NFL, I think you bring up a good point about teams um, wanting to probably rest a lot of their players over the next uh, few weeks, especially with COVID also kind of with this uh, narrative of load management that we have throughout the sports landscape. And I've told you before, I've been on record that I was completely against the NFL going to a 17 game regular season. For two reasons. Number one, it's going to skew all the record books. You're going to see a lot of people break records galore like every season. And then number two, I feel like you're just going to add an extra week where teams rest their starters. Instead of people resting their starters just for week 16, you're going to see a lot of teams rest their starters for two weeks. And so I I just think that it it was a bad idea. Plus, you mix in COVID this year, and the resting is going to get crazy, right? Like, they're not even going to be in the team facility because once you're locked into the playoffs, let's just say, for example, the Chiefs, you don't want Patrick Mahomes around anyone except his chick, right? Like, whoever you stay with at home, if it's your girlfriend, your mom, your aunt, that's who you get to be around, but nobody else. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. And great point, um, Lily, in the chat. I feel the same way with stadium names. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm still um, upset that uh, with basketball arenas that Staples Center is about to be renamed out in L.A. I think that's a travesty. I just can't imagine what it would be like. Let's say if Fenway Park in Boston were to be renamed something like, I don't know, Wrangler Jeans Park. Like, that would, that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, you know, Joe, yeah, I can't I know you keep track with stadium names, but let's make sure our listeners have a feel for what we're talking about because I feel like like when it comes to bowl season, there's so many names and so many bowls that you only focus on the elite of the elite. So I'm gonna read some off just real quick, right? For example, 
the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl, the RoofClaim.com Bowl, the Cricket Celebration Bowl, Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. The Independence Bowl, you know, being that I'm from Louisiana, it has changed names at least 40 times in the last 10 years, right? Lending Tree Bowl, Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl by Stifle, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, let me see if there's any Frisco football, Quick Lane Bowl, Ticket Smarter. I mean, these are horrible, Joe. Yeah, there's it's 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 awful. And I, I just feel like, you know, it's getting to the point where you have so many bowl games. Like, they even added an extra game this year. I think you have 42 bowl games. And so, at the end of the day, Matt, sometimes, you know, the cliche is too much of something good can be a bad thing. I feel like we've kind of just oversaturated uh, the quality of a, lot of, of a lot of these games by just having, you know, meaningless games. It's almost like the NIT galore. Yeah, yeah. And look, here's the only one, Joe, that I'm going to give mad props to. To the point where, like, if I was a, a, a team, okay, if I was, like, an influential senior on the team, I would sit down with the whole team and be like, guys, this is called strategy, okay? The Cheez-It Bowl. How many losses is it going to take to get us in the Cheez-It Bowl? Because I want as many damn boxes of Cheez-It <laughs> as I can possibly get. So let's stack those L's until we qualify for the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you something really funny as a side story. Have you ever watched, Matt, the YouTube videos called SEC Shorts? I have, yes. So, like, for any of our listeners that have or have not, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Like, it's just kind of a running theme of little skits that they show every week during the college football season. And a lot of them have kind of inside humor about, like, SEC football teams. But there was one, I think – a couple of years ago, because there's always a joke about the Birmingham Bowl in Birmingham, Alabama, being one of the worst bowl games. And so, it like, be the Music City Bowl, right? Music City probably used to be as well, yeah. And so they're all yeah. in this particular skit, like this group of friends. They're all sitting at a table, and like somebody opens a box that's like the Birmingham Bowl, and suddenly this reaches the point of like Jumanji or something like that. They're afraid, like you know, something's just going to be completely unleashed. That's horrifying. And they open it up, and apparently they're reading about, like, what is involved in the um, the gift uh, bag. Or, like, you know how, like, all the, the players will receive, like, a gift bag from particular bowls? Yes. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, little, uh, you know, souvenirs and things like that? Yeah, yeah. And apparently in the, the Birmingham Bowl, there's, like, an outdated, um, like, Circuit City or Radio Shack gift certificate. And everybody's just terrified of, like, you know, how um, how completely irrelevant that is. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it, man. So, you know, just to keep our listeners kind of updated, me and Joe are doing a little something different tonight for Christmas. We're kind of going off the cuff tonight. Normally, we strategically kind of script out our shows, our podcasts every week on Thursdays. But tonight, we said, no, let's just keep it fun and friendly and go off the cuff for this kind of Christmas special as we head into Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Right, Joe? Absolutely, Matt. And speaking of Christmas, you know, we'd be remiss if we do not have some food discussion. I know that you wanted to at some point. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know at some point you wanted to talk about like favorite food to eat around Christmas time. I also have a a specific question I want to ask you about Christmas cookies. Where where do you want to start? Yeah, let's go right there where you started, Joe. What is your favorite? If you had to pick one Christmas dish, it can be anything, dessert, it can be uh, dinner, it can be an appetizer. You pick one Christmas dish 
what's it going to be? So, with the caveat that my family doesn't really necessarily have, like, anything that I would call, like, a staple of our family Christmas, like, cuisine. Like, a lot of times we'll honestly just do kind of a do-over of Thanksgiving and do turkey and dressing. So, I would actually say that, like, having my mom's turkey and dressing, I'm looking forward to having that this Saturday on Christmas Day. That's really what I look forward to the most, ironically, on Christmas. Cool. I love it, man. And, and you're right. Like, that's kind of what I thought of that Thanksgiving. It dawned on me that Christmas really is running back Thanksgiving, right? Like, we don't think about it that, you know, that often. But the truth is, a lot of the food you eat at Thanksgiving, you double down on it and eat it again at Christmas. Absolutely. So what would be your favorite if you had to pick a Christmas dish? Yeah, so, so you know, it, it's probably not my favorite food out there if I had to pick one, but it's a favorite of mine because my mom makes it one time a year, right? So every Christmas Eve, my mom makes stuffed bread. So if you can imagine, she makes her own dough, she rolls it out by hand, and then she stuffs it with uh, sausage and ground meat, and of course it's got onions in it and chopped up uh, almond slices, you can put some cheese in it, and you roll all that up into a bread roll, and then you put it in the oven, and then you slice it, and then eat it, right? And it's absolutely to die for. She makes it one time a year. Oh, wow. That definitely sounds like um, a cool recipe. I've never had stuffed bread. Definitely um, very, like an awesome idea. Sounds really delicious. Um, I wanted to ask you, I've seen, I think, some memes lately about like you know if kids were to leave like cookies and things out for food out for santa claus like you know what would santa really want and so my question for you matt going off of that theme if you were santa claus and, and thank, thank goodness you're not for a lot of kids out there but if you were um santa claus um what type of cookie would you want um to receive oh wow i see i thought we were going somewhere else this shows that we really are going off the cuff tonight because i'm going to tell you my first thought when you asked that question i didn't hear the word cookie and i thought well well santa got what he wanted tonight and that was i went and bought some apple rye moonshine right like that's how i'm going to treat myself but if we're talking about cookies i would go uh oatmeal chocolate chip those are the only kind of cookies that i crave Okay. Yeah, I like just kind of a, a general chocolate chip cookie would be really good. Um, I like peanut butter cookies. Um, I mean, I can eat oatmeal raisin, but it's not not my favorite. But um, you know, so, just so, go ahead. I was going to say a lot of people sleep on Snickerdoodle, and I don't think that's justified because. You know, I think Snickerdoodle are fantastic. They're very underrated, but since they don't have chocolate chips and all, I can understand why they kind of fly on the radar. But yeah, for me, oatmeal chocolate chips for the win. Nice, nice. Um, with Snickerdoodle, where exactly did, does that name derive from? Because I used to think like it had something to do with Snickers, but I feel like it's always different from actually having like a Snickers candy bar. Yeah, so nothing to do with, with a Snickers candy bar, right? It's mostly just kind of cinnamon sugar. It's a very plain cookie with a cinnamon sugar out uh, exterior. And, like, it's one of those things in life that is it's simplistic, but it's fantastic. You know? Okay. Speaking of fantastic, I think you already kind of preempted this side of the question. But, yeah, if you were Santa Claus, if you could just have anything, like, what would you want, um, you know, left for you, like, with the stockings? 
Yeah, like I said, tonight I went to the store, got me some apple rye moonshine. That's what I'm going to curl up with tonight as I watch Christmas movies. So if I was old Santa squeezing my fat ass down the chimney, I would hope some moonshine would be waiting on me when I got down there. Okay, so you're watching Christmas movies, no no sports tonight for you, no NFL football? You know, I'm going to peek at NFL football, but, you know, nothing crazy. I'm not really interested in what the 49ers have going on. Um, I don't have these fantasy implications, so I'm probably going to take a breather from football. Last weekend was pretty intense. Okay, what would be like your Christmas uh, movie of choice that's going to be on? So tonight I will be watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because I have not watched it all season. Oh, nice. I thought you were about to say you've never watched it. Okay. Exciting. Oh, no, no. Millions of times. So, Joe, last question before we get back to sports. If you're picking one Christmas movie tonight or tomorrow night to celebrate Christmas Eve, what movie are you going to pick? I think it's definitely going to be Home Alone. In fact, I mean, I'll just go ahead and unashamedly admit that I was watching clips on YouTube earlier of Home Alone. Some of the, I think I watched the video of like the top 10 best um, uh, pranks that uh, Kevin McAllister pulled in that movie. I thought it was a great 10-minute uh, video on YouTube. Definitely worth your, uh, your time investment. But I'll tell you one that's kind of underrated that I've always enjoyed. I was a fan growing up of uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like I really liked his movies. I liked his movie Tom and Huck about Huckleberry Finn, and I feel like his movie, I'll Be Home for Christmas with uh, Jessica Bill, is a pretty good uh, holiday movie. Awesome. I will I will check it out tonight because I need a fresh movie af- after National Lampoon's. I'll also throw out there, I really love uh, Fred Claus and Elf, right? I think those are really good ones, too. So, Joe, let's kind of switch it back to sports as we kind of wrap up this Christmas special of our podcast. Here's, here's kind of the big question, right? We're heading into NFL playoffs, a lot of stuff going on right now. Like we talked about the COVID list, you know, some teams are, are winning and losing when we're, they're kind of unexpected. Like big shout out to the Detroit Lions for peaking at the right time, just in time to knock off the Green Bay Packers. I love it. But my question to you, Joe, is let's play a little game, okay? And that is last in, first out. So who is the last team getting into the playoffs and who is going to be the first one out of the playoffs? All right, so I'm going to say this on a completely unbiased level. I say that, though, tongue-in-cheek completely. I'm going to say in hope, against all hope, that the last team in is our New Orleans Saints. hope they can sneak in the playoffs, maybe upset somebody like Tampa Bay since they're, oddly enough, a tough matchup defensively for uh, the Buccaneers. And I'm going to say that the uh, last team out is the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you mean first team out? Uh, yeah, first team out would be the San Francisco 49ers, yep. Awesome. So I, I love half of what you're going with. So that was my first thought, too. So my my last in was going to be the New Orleans Saints, um, you know, because I feel like Taysom Hill is enough, especially with that win and kind of that upset to Tampa Bay, to get them into the playoffs. Now that he's on the COVID list, I'm not really sure what I think. I kind of go to my other last in, which would be um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? So that's kind of my two, Pittsburgh Steelers and New Orleans Saints. Now, this is going to be the shocker right here. And I know everybody's going to think I'm going to say Green Bay. I'm not. The first out is going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They won last weekend. He got a ton of gaudy yardage 
but it took 200 yards from Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill with multiple touchdowns in order for them to beat the Chargers. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are on borrowed time, and it's just insurance fraud. I do not believe in that team. Okay. Now, that's definitely a hot take there. You know, definitely the availability of Kelsey and Hill is kind of like how far the Chiefs are going to go. It's kind of predicated on them being able to go out there and not, you know, being in the COVID protocols. I'm going to say that the team that I'm kind of leery of is whoever wins the AFC North division, like whether it's the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals. Like, I'm a little bit leery of that division. Like, I know, like, it's competitive in the sense that it's kind of anybody's game at this point. But I just don't really trust a lot of those teams. And I feel like whoever wins that division, yes, they'll get a home game. But I could definitely see the wild card team upsetting them at home. Yeah, so, so the way I look at that, Joe, is kind of all or nothing, right? Like, I look at it as in if Cincy wins and gets in in that division, then, then they're young and I feel like they're immature. They're going to be first out, right? Like, they're going to lose immediately. If the Baltimore Ravens find a way to get to the playoffs and Lamar Jackson's healthy, that is going to be a nasty, nasty out. And I'm not saying they won't get knocked out early. What I'm saying is whoever has to play them, that is going to be a tough grounded town game, a slugfest, and basically it's going to be last man standing. So that's kind of my thought there. I can see that. You know, the Ravens, John Harbaugh, he has done a great job throughout his tenure. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Yeah, I don't either. And that's the thing is, it's not necessarily a team you're scared of in terms of firepower. I would be scared about the week after. So, yes, the, the Ravens make the playoffs and you play them in the first round. Is your team going to be physically able to play the next round? Because the Ravens are going to beat on you even if you do beat them. Absolutely. That's going to be the age-old question. That's what we'll have to see, you know, how that uh, materializes because, you know, the Ravens have just been quite a story, you know, how they've been basically playing the whole season without a starting running back. Absolutely, Matt. Great point there. So as we kind of get towards the conclusion of this episode, I want to remind everybody again, you know, that in a few minutes we will be hopping on our friend uh, Lily's show to talk some uh, – sports and probably some baseball and other headlines kind of Christmas theme to come up um, as we go. So really excited about that. That's also here on ColorCast. So hope you guys can flip over to her show as soon as ours finishes. But um, lastly, Matt, just any other topics on your mind as far as sports of the Christmas season? You know, not a whole lot, Joe. Um, I, you know, the, the only one I know we've covered this episode pretty heavily football you know the only other one that's out there is kind of what's going on in the nba right now and, and more specifically not calling it out because that's not my intention here but it would be lebron james the lakers joe if they don't get their act together and figure out what and who their team is i don't know if the lakers make the playoffs this year yeah i mean i think that there's a lot of questions about that team I think that anybody at this point that's even considering them as a fringe championship contender just needs to reevaluate the team. I think you're right. The bigger question is whether this team actually makes the playoffs, and if they do, do they even win a series? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's just a team of a bunch of old heads. They can't figure it out. Um, you know, the crazy part is – it's really not on LeBron James because he's playing well, right? It's just a matter of 
guys not staying healthy. I think kind of an incompatible team as it's constructed. Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, like what are we talking about, right? Like that's crazy to even think about. Those are both ISO players, and yet they're trying to bring this together to win a championship. I I think it's going to kind of end up, Joe, very much like from our youth when it was Carl Malone and Gary Payton and – all those guys for the Los Angeles Lakers, the team just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I also could see it being kind of like the Cavs in uh, 2018, I think it was, where they had Isaiah Thomas on the team with LeBron. And I want to say Dwayne Wade was on that team. Like they had brought, you know, some older players in there past their prime, and then they had to do a complete, like, reboot at the trade deadline and bring in all these new players. I could see them maybe even considering something like that here if they don't get it turned around in like a month. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not even about is the team good or are the players good. Like, we're past that. These are like, these are like Hall of Famers, right? But you you look at their newest pickup, Isaiah Thomas, okay, who I think is fantastic. I think he's been one of the most underrated players in the league. And I know he just popped back into it with the Lakers. But he's an ISO guy, right? He's got to have the ball in his hands to score. LeBron, an ISO guy. That can pass well. AD is very much a uh, you know pick and roll kind of guy. Russell Westbrook, ISO, Carmelo Anthony, spot up mid range guy, spot up three pointer guy. I just don't know how all these parts come together and make something that's formidable. And then on the other side, they still don't shoot the three ball on the likes of a Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns, or any of those guys. Right, right. I mean, all compelling points there. There's a lot of issues with the team. I think three-point shooting is definitely paramount or the lack thereof. You know, just just so many question marks. Like I said earlier, I mean, you just cannot consider this team right now even a fringe championship contender. There's too many heavyweights right now um, in the NBA Western Conference. And I really think, you know, two of the best teams we'll see on Christmas Day with uh, Phoenix and uh, Golden State. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, Joe, One thing's for sure, and that is we are in the prime of sports season, right? So the next few weeks to next month or so is just when sports really amps up, right? Bowl season, Super Bowl season, that kind of propels us into uh, the all-star break for basketball, which is always fun. So a lot of good sports coming in a very short time frame. Absolutely, Matt. It's going to be rapid fire and a lot of fun. We'll cover it here on the Hungry Takes podcast. Well, Matt, this has been a great episode, a lot of fun to go off the cuff and stream of consciousness. But we got to leave it right here tonight. Um, like I said, getting ready to hop on um, our friend Lily's show in just a few minutes. Hope everybody can tune in for that on ColorCast. Um, thank you guys so much um, for your support. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Hungry Takes. And Matt, um, I enjoyed it. Fun episode and look forward to um, being back uh, pretty soon. Absolutely, Joe. Everyone have a wonderful Christmas and we will be back and better than ever right after Christmas.